Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Hey there, Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode of Three Spooked Girls. I am one of your co-hosts, Jessica, and as always, I am joined by one of my favorite human beings and ghoul friend, Tara. Hello, hello. Today, we are going to do an interesting topic. (laughs) We are going to be talking about Mothman. Mothman. (laughs) Mothman. When this first (laughs) happened to us, and I say happened to us, when this first, this topic first came, I was like, haha, funny Mothman. Like, what is that? Like, so like Spider-Man. And then (laughs) I learned, well, I didn't learn about Mothman. I let Tara learn about Mothman. And I watched a movie. And I'm not a fan of Mothman because of the movie I watched. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) I know. It'll be be a great episode, y'all. It's gonna be great. But anyway, let's get let's get down to our normal shenanigans and then we'll get over to our wonderful content that we have, mm-hmm. which I, I am excited about this week because it's going to be great. But as per use, you can find us on all social medias. Instagram, Twitter and Facebook is at three spooked girls. If you want to come hang out with us on a more like personal, more like interactive our Facebook group, Three Spook Girls Official, has a lot of stuff going on all the time. People love to chit chat in there and post. And, you know, Tara and I talked about it. I know we're like into March now, but like at the beginning of the year, Tara and I were like, we really want our Facebook group to be a place where people can go, not only share memes that are like true crime or paranormal, but, you know, share daily, like uplifting life things. Like if you're going to have a kid or you get a cool new mug or because, you know, Tara and I are obsessed with mugs or you're just feeling yourself that day and you want to share. Yeah, selfies are welcome. Selfies are welcome. Have at it. We are here for it. We see pups and oh yeah, maybe, I don't think we've seen cats yet. So if anybody has cats, feel mm-hmm. free. Oh, we have? Okay. We have seen cats because one of our very first cocktail uh, pictures back was someone with their cat. Oh. <gasps> You're right. Even if it's not a cocktail we've done, go ahead and like throw one in there. Speaking of cocktails, this week I have a cocktail for everyone. Yes. Since we are going to be talking about Mothman and the movie plot or the movie location, like the story happens in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Well, because I started off looking for a Mothman cocktail and I couldn't find it. Yeah. It actually was going to go a different direction with that context. Mm. And I was like, nope. mm -mm." So then I ended up looking up West Virginia and I came across the Persephone, Mm. which apparently is like a BuzzFeed article was like, what cocktail represents your state? (laughs) So it'll have all of them. But if you scroll down, it'll say West Virginia and it's Persephone. Mm -hmm. And then it didn't have (laughs) a recipe there. So I went and found a recipe for it. 
There we go. Wait till tomorrow and that'll be up on our socials. Yes, yes. If you would like to support the show, go ahead and go over to patreon.com slash three spooked girls and you can sign up to be a patron for as little as a dollar. You get a bonus content every month. It's an, a bonus episode. We just did the Ted Bundy documentary that came out on Amazon Prime. It was long. Mm-hmm. It was two episodes for them. Yeah. So they actually are getting another bonus episode. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. They'll be coming out soon. Right. And then for our $2 and up patrons, you get starting very, very soon. We are so, so close to our new segment of Jessica Slaughter's Movies. You get bonus content plus Jessica Slaughter's Movies. $5 and up, get video and have their own special Facebook group. You can interact with us there as well. Mm-hmm. Also, because we love our listeners, Tara and I have reached out and are doing a new, and you should have seen it by now, it should be up because this is Monday and it went up Thursday, if I do believe, mm-hmm. is that we are doing a giveaway with Death Wish Coffee. Head over to Instagram and you can see what that is. So definitely go check that out. There's some amazing things. Tara called me the other day. She like FaceTimed me. She did a little unboxing and it's amazing stuff. Um, If you love coffee and you haven't tried Death Wish, it's a really great way to like get entered in to win because I will tell you, I love Death Wish coffee because one cup of coffee can last, give me energy for all day. Legit. I mean, not Tara because Tara's like blood is half coffee. Yeah, I'm I'm literally like Lorelai Gilmore. If anyone's watched <laughs> Gilmore Girls, I it's I drink it all day. <laughs> oh my god. No, Tara is one of the very few people I know that can drink coffee and then immediately go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like the type of person who's like, is that decaf? And decaf keeps me up. <laughs> but th- surprisingly, like I drink Diet Dr. Pepper and that doesn't affect me. Hmm. But yeah, lots of cool stuff. It's a uh, coffee swag, three spooked girls swag. And mm-hmm. I will say the ever popular camper mug is included for both winners. So Truth. if you've had your eye on that, go enter. Definitely. And we are going to take a very quick promo break. And then we will be back with Tara telling us all about what the fuck Mothman is. <laughs> Rebecca Sebastian, host of Dialogue. I'm also the creator and host of Yellow Tape, a true crime trivia show in New York City. In those live shows, I cover the who, what, and when of popular true crime cases, but I can't always deep dive the way I'd like to. That's where this podcast comes in. Dialogue picks up where Yellow Tape leaves off. Each week, I'll be interviewing professionals, podcasters, and players in the true crime space. We'll attempt to answer the why of true crime, why we love it, why it happens, and what are we even talking about when we talk about true crime? And yeah, we'll probably play some true crime trivia too. So, are you ready to explore the heart of true crime with me? I think we'll have a killer conversation. Be sure to subscribe to Dialogue on iTunes today and download the premiere episode of Dialogue wherever you listen to podcasts starting July 31st. Well, welcome back. And now I'm going to hand it over to my lovely friend, Tara, who's going to tell you about Moth Man or Moth People. I don't know. I haven't looked. She's going to tell us. 
She left a surprise. So, Mothman. It's a dude? It's a dude. Got it. Mothman comes from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and he's a cryptid that came around in the 1960s, so not as old as other cryptids and mythological creatures we've talked about here on the show before. He is described as a humanoid creature that is sometimes said to be gray or brown. The colors kind of vary, and then this kind of matches that whole moth thing where moths do vary in their color type of situation. Mm -hmm. He stands between six to eight feet tall. He has massive wings, and the span of that can be up to 15 feet. Damn. Right? And along with this, he also has a feature that is probably one of the most memorable things about him. He is said to have glowing red eyes. Yes. Creepy, creepy. There's a really famous sighting of him that I'll get to in a minute. It's actually considered the main one off of all the sources, videos, and stuff I watched. But that wasn't the very first one, uh, which a lot of people thought was, but there was actually one before. So on November 12th of 1966 in Clendenin, West Virginia, five men were working in a cemetery at night digging graves and had an encounter with him. And they said that they saw him gliding through the air among the trees. Creepy as fuck. I don't know if I like that, gliding through the air. (laughs) Now we get to the big one. Just three days later, so November 15th, two couples from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, whose names are Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette, would be the next ones to have an encounter with the Mothman. Now, like I said, this is the the big one, the main one that kind of pops up a lot when you're researching or watching videos about him. So the four had been out and about driving and were hanging out in this area that was, quote, popular for the youths at the time called the TNT area. Okay. Yes, it has this name because it was an old site of a World War II munitions plant. Oh, okay. And there was leftover stuff there. Yeah. Today, this has been converted and it's now known as the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. And it also has a bird sanctuary there as well. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a heavily wooded area. It's secluded and it's away from town. So it's like out. They first, when they were there, you know, doing whatever they're doing. Mm. <laughs> when they first saw him, they said he was near the plant and that he was very fast, but he was a clumsy runner. Kind of an interesting description there. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, he he's a terrifying thing, but he can't run very fast. And when he does, he falls, or he can run fast, but he falls down <laughs> a lot. Right. The four describe it as a, quote, it's like a man with wings and also said, it wasn't like anything you've seen on TV or in a monster movie. So, of course, these people were fucking terrified and they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Hello. I'm going to freak out too over an eight foot Slenderman thing with wings basically is the picture I'm fucking getting. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Right. So once they kind of like snapped out of it and collected themselves, they decided like, let's get out of here. And they all got back in the car. From here, they said that when they were driving down the road, which again, like nothing around, just a bunch of woods and dark. Because also keep in mind, they're there in the middle of the night. They're there at about midnight when this happens. No good thing happens. Mm-hmm. They actually encountered him again. Again, and all four said that it was chasing their car and could fly at incredible speeds because they were going up to 100 miles an hour. Did it fly clumsy? 
No, he glides. So he's graceful in the air, but apparently not on the ground. I don't know. (laughs) We all have our strengths. Exactly. They also noticed that the creature didn't like coming into contact with the bright lights from the car, so the headlights. Okay. Once they got to safety somewhere, they contacted the police or went to the police station. That kind of switched sometimes. Anyways, while they were at the police station, the cops were like, okay, these guys are full of shit. They were either smoking weed, they were drinking, you know, they're not sober. But they were like, no, we're sober, insisting on it. So they were like, okay, let's see how much full of shit these people are. So they separated all four of them, put them all in different interrogation rooms, and they told them, go ahead and write down your statements and let us know exactly what happened, you know, detail for detail. And the weird thing was all of their written statements were exactly the same. Every single little detail, every single thing matched. So they're like, okay, this is weird. So at this point, it's about 2 a.m., And this is a little weird, but I guess it's the 60s, so whatever. But the four of them would go back out to the TNT area with Deputy Millard Halstead, and they went to, like, check things out type of thing. I don't know why they would go with him, but they're going along for the investigation. And it said while they were out there that they had encountered strange noises and shadows, a mysterious dust cloud, and even found a hoof print in the dirt, which if you watch the BuzzFeed Unsolved video that's in the sources, there's a picture of it. And it's pretty fucking big. Got it. Yeah. After this, Linda was said to have been treated for shock and also said to have received, quote, unnerving phone calls and was said to have been visited by the men in black. Okay. And there's like a whole conspiracy around Men in Black and stuff like that, which could be like interesting for like Patreon and stuff, because I'm pretty sure BuzzFeed Unsolved did something on that because they have that mannequin (laughs) that's creepy in the back in the Men in Black outfit. Let us know what you guys think. And then also their encounter was published in the Point Pleasant Register, which is, of course, a newspaper. And you can read all of that, too. It's just kind of interesting because everyone's really skeptical at first. Shortly after this, though, what was interesting was the Mason County Sheriff George Johnson held a press conference about this. And from here, the whole Mothman thing just blew up, like locally and nationally. The story just blew the fuck up. And interesting enough, it wasn't even the people that were there around it or anything like that. It was the media that actually named this creature Mothman. I mean, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no, it makes sense because I was going to say like same with like Black Dahlia and other stuff like that. They always named stuff, Mm -hmm. even though this is, you know, decades later, but still we're still in that time where it's like the media more sensationalized things with like catchy names and stuff like that, you know. So they named Mothman and there would be eight more sightings in the three days after this. And all the witnesses had the same things to say, saying he had the red eyes, he had the big wingspan, he was super tall and creepy, all of that stuff. And even some would say he had a bird-like head, which is interesting and will come into play a little later. Which I'm like, how is this a moth if he has bird-like features? Please tell me. But okay. I DK. I don't know. Also, to go hand in hand with the sightings, it was reported that weird things would happen at the same time, such as interrupted police dispatches, malfunctioning of electrical appliances and cars, doors mysteriously opening and shutting on their own, and high reports of UFO sightings. So the whole men in black thing would make sense with that. Mm-hmm. And then to stay on the theme of like the strange occurrences, there was also the collapse of the Silver Bridge on December 15th, 1967, where 46 people died. 
It was reported by multiple people that they had seen the Mothman that day and that they connected this tragic event to him. Now, I ain't going to put the blame on Mothman. And you Team Mothman people will be happy about that because, first of all, the bridge collapsed during rush hour. So I think you can guess what I'm about to say next. Right. After the collapse, they did an investigation and the conclusion was that the cause of the collapse was because there was a failure with a single eye bar in the suspension chain due to like a teeny, teeny defect, basically. Oh, God. Yeah. And essentially, long story short, the bridge was carrying heavier amounts of weight than it was designed for. Mm-hmm. And it was not taken care of. The ma- uh, the maintenance on it was just super, super poor. Fun fact, that's with most bridges in America. When you Every time you get on a bridge, just remember that, like, I think in California, only four bridges are, like, safe. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> Fun fact. So, yeah, don't blame the Mothman. It's not his fault. So another sighting that I want to mention uh, was from Marcella Bennett. And I think... Some stuff in this may tie to the movie you're going to talk about. I'm not sure because I didn't really read into it. So the night of her encounter, she was with her three-year-old daughter, her brother, and her sister-in-law. They all saw him and described him same as all the others did, but the aftermath is what I found interesting with this. Similar to Linda, she had consequences after her encounter. In Marcella's case, it was anxiety, paranoia, and nightmares. But with this, though, it is said that she developed psychic abilities and had premonitions. Okay. Get it, girl. Mm -hmm. And she was not the only one who had a Mothman encounter to report this happening. Apparently, there's countless others as well, which leads to the question of what is he exactly? Some think he's an alien and some think he's just some being from a different dimension traveling back and forth. And then others think he might be along the lines of a demon. So... Whatever he is, he seems to instill fear in those who encounter him because he's this giant, terrifying thing with wings. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Right. And then there's this other report of a man who had seen him as well. And before he popped up, and this reminded me of the movie Signs, he said that he had his TV on and it had this like weird interference type of situation going on. And basically... After that happened, he went outside. It like snatched his dog up. It stole his dog. Aww. I know. Like that makes me like, oh, I really hope this isn't a human pretending to be something fucked up. Right. With that, there's, of course, current sightings that happened. It was reported as recent as 2017. Oh, damn. Yeah. By the Chicago Tribune, no less. That between April 7th and July 29th, there was over 20 sightings of Mothman. And all of the sightings were similar in their stories. And just basically, they had seen him at night, late at night. And then he was near a body of water. And then there was also this photo this guy had put out. But that was definitely, you could tell, like, if you look at it, it was definitely a hoax. This was an unrelated incident incident to this. But yeah, I was like, okay, quit Photoshopping. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Now, kind of back to that, like, what is he? What could he be? What's the deal with him? The people that believe he is real think that possibly he was some sort of creature or animal that had dealt with, like, a mutation from the, like, the stuff that was left over at the World War II plant. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's why his home's there and things like that. But if you are on the more, this is just a fun story and fake. People think that what is being reported 
is a sighting of a different creature called the Sand Hill Crane. Now, basically, these things have like similar features and red eyes and they're long. Their wings are obviously not 15 fucking feet long. But weird thing about that is this could work for Chicago, possibly if these exist there because they do like water. Mm -hmm. But it's been checked that these birds do not exist in West Virginia at all. Like they've never been there. And there's so many sightings of Mothman. It was said like over a thousand people have seen him. Got it. So it's just kind of interesting. And then they also have a couple theories that maybe it was. A, it's kind of like uh, I can't remember what the case is called, but it's the one where the, it was like in the early 1900s where the family thought it was aliens. But it, people are saying it, it was owls. Huh. People think maybe it was just a big owl. But I'm like, mm, OK, like I mentioned earlier, there's a bird sanctuary out in the TNT area now. So that's another theory. But the bird sanctuary didn't exist in the 60s. It was just abandoned. So it's kind of like, it's a good idea for like any kind of future sightings, but not those ones. I mean, still, like if it's an abandoned place. Yeah. I mean, owls could be chilling there. You never know. And we used to get owls that lived in my barn. So this is true. This is true. But I do have to say that's kind of like the little wrap up on like the lore on the Mothman. But I found also the town of Point Pleasant very interesting because they very much embrace this Mothman thing. Yeah. And uh, I want to go there. Okay. If I'm being real with you. First of all, let's start with they have a fucking Mothman statue in town. It's a small town in West Virginia. They need something to bring in extra revenue. Like, let me show you this real quick. That's beautiful. Right? Mothman is like, got some abs. Mothman's cut. Yeah, right? I know. He's got the bright red eyes and just like, he's like this majestic ass thing. I fucking love it. I always wonder when people see like these kind of creatures, like, are they high? I don't know. I mean, that was kind of one of the theories with the the couple because, you know, it's the 60s and that kind of thing. But on top of that, there's a couple things that are exciting, too. So they actually have a Mothman festival that they do every year. Oh, This year is going to be the 19th year they've done this. And uh, fun fact, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same week of our podcast anniversary. <laughs> So I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. If anyone's interested in this besides me, which y'all should be into this because it's fucking awesome sounding. It's the 19th and 20th. And they just they do all kinds of stuff. They make it like a big thing. They have like guest speakers. They have a bunch of vendors. They do live music. They have, you know, food, a Mothman hayride. What? There's men in black there and a Mothman 5K. There's all kinds of shit. It's so fucking cool looking. They have a 5K. Well, I didn't say you had to do it. I know. I'm just saying like they do all kinds of stuff, you know, they make it like a legit. It's a legit festival like and you can look at pictures on the Mothman Museum website. You can look at it there because, yes, they have a year round Mothman Museum here. They, they just need to like invite us to come. Um, Yeah. And local peeps, it is so cheap to go. Please fucking go and take all the pictures. Adults, it's four fifty, and kids 10 and under, it's a dollar fifty. What? Yeah. Okay, so we could go because, like, <laughs> it would just cost us money to travel there. Like, the actual admission would be literally under $5. 
Mm-hmm. And they have like all kinds of cool historical stuff. They have like archives and they have press clippings from like that original sighting I told you about. And then also a bunch of stuff revolving the Silver Bridge. And they really seem like they embody the UFO kind of theory because they have a bunch of stuff like revolving that and stuff too. And you can see all kinds of cool like statues and memorabilia and just original like items and stuff during the 60s. So it's really cool. It's really smart because like the way I think about it like this is the festivals for is like $5. There's so many festivals in California that I'm like, I went to and it cost me $45 to get into the Nacho Festival. Oh, no, this is the muse- The museum cost that. I don't know how much the festival oh, costs. I withdraw my statement. But still, museums, like Tara and I went to a museum. It cost us like 30 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then the last little excitement that I had was that uh, you can shop Mothman. I found this out earlier and I freaked out on Jessica. You can shop Mothman stuff on their website and they will ship it to you for $8. So that's pretty fucking cool. And they have Mothman merch, all kinds of cool shit. And they even have Mothman coffee, Mm. which I think I'm going to fucking buy because it's only like $13. (laughs) So pretty fucking neat. But yeah, they have all kinds of cool stuff. They have like hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, which, you know, we love, of course. I love mugs. Yeah. And like everything's pretty affordable. Like the shirts are, you know, basic shirt prices and the mugs are about like 12 to 14 dollars, it looks like. So. So pretty standard. Yeah, pretty standard. Pretty cool. And they have like keychains, enamel pins, all kinds of cool stuff. This reminds me of, I know this was a patron thing, but when we talked about Area 51 and how the town really embraces the tourist stuff. Oh, yeah. This town seems to really embrace it as well. And I think it would just be, you know, if you live close, it'd probably be a fun day trip, honestly. It seems interesting. Like, I don't really have any other reason to go to West Virginia, but I think that would be fun. It's true. But yeah, that's kind of the quick little history and encounters that I found interesting because, of course, you can you can find a ton more, too. So, yeah, that's my take on the Mothman. And uh, if I get any Mothman swag, I will uh, have to post that for you guys because I think I might have to. I think I might have to. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I'm excited to hear about this movie now. (laughs) Yes, because movies are apparently my forte hair flip moment. (laughs) (laughs) I watched a movie on Mothman and there there's several out there in fact when I like googled Mothman movies there's like one that's called Mothman and it's like the same storyline but the one I watched is Mothman Prophecies which had Richard Gere in it Mm -hmm. and it had Laura Lenny in it who I like and feel like was a very underrated actress is I don't know if she's still acting is Richard Gere even acting I don't know I haven't seen him in a while Anyway, so I looked it up. I did a little research on it. So according to IMDb, it is a 6.4 out of 10. It was directed by Mark Pillington, and it debuted in 2002. It's just under two hours long at 119 minutes. And let's dive into the story. It opens with like Richard Gere getting this weird phone call and it's like the screeching sound and he like pulls it away from his ear and he's like, no, what did you say? I didn't hear that and blah, blah, blah. Then he's like, oh, I'm going to leave the office. And so he goes and he leaves the office and his boss is like, how are you not coming to the Christmas party? You're my best reporter. My best reporter has to come. And he's like, it's the wife. 
And so he and his beautiful wife, Mary, oh, Richard Gere's character's name is John Klein, by the way. Um, So John and his wife, Mary, are going house shopping. And Mary is portrayed by one of my favorite actresses, Deborah Messing. This movie was a lot of like, oh, that guy played in that movie. Mm -hmm. So she plays his wife, Mary, and they go house hunting. And it's this big house that's out in the suburbs, like, because they kind of, I don't, like, I think they kind of live in a suburb already, but it's like the suburb close to town. That makes sense. And this is like farther out. And it's a much bigger house. And then they're like looking around and they end up in a closet. And they end up like fooling around in a closet. And then the realtor comes and like turns the light on and like these moths flutter around the light mm-hmm. and they're like oh no and like the realtor opens the door and like richard gear has his hands up deborah messing shirt <laughs> so he's like uh and then they make a joke like we were seeing if it, it was it was big enough and so then he's like you if you want this house you gotta like put in an offer and he's like richard Gere's like well take it and then he shuts the doors and then i'm pretty sure they start or about to do the nasty then they leave and they're on their way home and mary's driving which is so modern because in most movies, the wife never drives. (laughs) She's driving and they're talking and they're kind of flirting and they make out at a stoplight and they keep driving. And as she's driving down the street, she's like seeing these kind of like red flashy things happening. And she sees these like glowing red eyes and like out in the distance, which turns out to be these like construction cones with like red lights on top of it. And she's just kind of like, I don't know, looking. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something just fucking hits the windshield and she spins out of control. And, you know, they're up in this huge car crash. And Richard Gere's character, John, is like, Mary, Mary. And then they end up in the hospital. So one of the themes of this movie is that every time you see lights, like string lights or something, there's always red in them. Mm. So then Mary's in the hospital and she like wakes up and she's okay for like two seconds. And then she freaks out and she's like, something's wrong with me. And she's crying. And then she goes into an MRI machine and, oh my God, blessed is this woman because she goes in and it's like an incumbent MRI machine, which if you don't know that what that is, it's like the one where you go into like the tube of doom mm-hmm. and it's like you just it, you're fully encased. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck that shit. Right. I can't even do an open MRI. That's how like legit <laughs> claustrophobic I get. I'm like, no, I can't see the ceiling. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> So she goes in there and she's like crying and come to find out she has this like rare brain tumor and she has to have surgery Mm. and then she's having chemo and it's all around like the Christmas time. It's all around Christmas time. So it's like really depressing. And like so Richard Gere's character, John, he's like, I don't know what to do. And he meets up with his friend and co-worker, Ed. And if you're watching the movie, you're like, who the heck is that? It's Steve from Sex and the City. No. Okay. I was like, I know this dude. Why do I know this dude? And I was like, ah, it's it's Steve. (laughs) He's talking about how he needs like positive thought. And he's like, Mary's getting better. And they couldn't get all the tumor out. So they're doing chemo. And he talks about that. But kind of like the takeaway is that he's very hopeful. So John's going back and forth between the hospital and like work. And I'm sure he's like doing everything. And it's just a few. It's just like a couple of weeks, right? There's this like scene, like Mary is talking to John. And she's like, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Like, I feel like we were buying our house. We were having the dream coming true and I ruined it. And he's like, no, it'll be fine. We'll get through this. 
and everything will be fine. Mm. But then he goes home and he gets a call and he comes back and he's like running through the tunnel, which is kind of like it's like a hospital that has like a bridge between it. Mm-hmm. And so he's like running across like the causeway, the bridgeway, and he like gets there and she's gone and he's like packing up her stuff. And this like orderly comes to the door and says, I think she knew she was drawing angels. John opens the book and realizes it's not angels because it's all like demon-y looking and like kind of like looks like a moth Batman looking thing. (laughs) And then when he like looks back at the door, the orderly has just fucking disappeared. Bum, bum, bum. At first, I was like, obviously they want you to feel like he disappeared. But I was like, more likely the dude just like fucking walked off. He's like, here's your shit. Bye. Right. Like, I don't need to watch you. But remember the orderly. Like, try to picture, like, a tall dude standing in a doorway. That's what you need to picture. So it flash forwards two years, and it, like, cuts to, like, John on being interviewed and, like, talking about, like, different things. And he's still at the Washington Post, and Ed is like, dude, I got this girl you should meet. Her name is Gwen. And John is like, just not ready. And he's like, no one's ever going to be married. Like, that moment, like... Mm. So John's like, okay, okay, whatever. No. Like, his answer ends up being no. He was supposed to have an interview in the morning in Richmond with the governor, but because they're in, like, D.C. And John's like, you know, I think I'm just going to go up tonight because I have an 8 a.m. with them. And they're like, oh, no, he pushed back to the afternoon. But John Still's like, no. And then he just says, you know... I'm really like amped up or something along those like antsy. I'm just going to drive to Richmond tonight. And he like, cause he calls Ed and then he's just driving and it's like driving montage, driving, driving, driving. And then <laughs> all of a sudden he's just like driving along the road and his car dies. Ooh. He's like, what the hell? So he's like, okay, like his car just turns off. It won't turn back on. He has gas. So he's like freaking out. So he goes up to this like farmhouse, essentially, that's like just up the road. Like he could see it from his car. Mm -hmm. He goes and he knocks on the door and this dude answers and he's like, hi, my name is John. Like, you know, hi, my name is John Klein and my car just died. Can I use your phone? And the guy was like, basically like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) And mind you, this guy is played by, do you remember, like, in Remember the Titans, like, the white coach? Mm-hmm. It's him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And his name is Gordon Smallwood. And he pulls them in and basically is holding him hostage in his bathroom until Connie Mills, who is Laura Linney, gets there. And, um... <laughs> You know, John, of course, is like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And Connie's like, no, no, no. Let Gordon tell his story. Because Gordon obviously has a gun. (laughs) So Gordon says that this dude, John, has come to his house the last two nights at 2.30 in the morning and is like knocking on the door asking to use his phone. But there's something really creepy and off about him. And so John is like, I swear to God, I've never been here before. I don't even know where the hell I am. I'm driving. You know, my car stopped. Legit. It's out there. And so, like, he has to give Connie the IDs. And Connie's, like, a police sergeant. So she's, like, she's not just, like, a random person, I should say. (laughs) She's, like, an actual police officer. So then he gets there. Like, so she's, like, okay, Gordon, like, calm down. Which one of my favorite parts of this... (laughs) Is this as he's like, and I told him last night that he was trespassing. And when he came back today, I should have shot him while he was on my porch, but I didn't because oh, I'm a good Christian man. So I didn't shoot him on the porch. And then like five minutes later, he's like, for fuck's sake. And I was like, yay, <laughs> yay for him. 
And Connie, like, he's like, I could have shot him on my porch. And Connie's like, only if he entered the house. And Gordon's face was like, aw. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, he's in my house. It's like, yeah, but you, like, you drug his ass into your house. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, there's some sort of weird coincidence happening. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Connie's like, let's go. So they go try his car. His car won't start. Connie gives him a ride into town to the, the motel. She arranges for a tow truck to come get it. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But as they're driving, Connie's like, hey, I recognized you. You're on this, like, news show. And he's like, oh, okay, and whatnot. And as they're driving, he's like, okay, well, like, I don't know where I'm at type thing. Because she's, he's like, I'm just driving through. And she's like, we're not, we're not in between anything. Mm. Because, like, he meant to go to Richmond, Virginia. And when he gets to the hotel, he's like, okay, I think I've just driven a little too far. but." The guy has, like, a map for some reason as, like, his counter. It's, like, you know, like, counters that have, like, the big, thick plexiglass, but then they shove shit underneath it? It's, like, got a map, and he's, like, oh, you're over by the the state line. So he's, like, looking at, like, West Virginia and Virginia. And he goes, no, over here by Ohio. Hmm. So he's, like, what the fuck? I'm in, like, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Like, I am hundreds of miles away where the fuck I need to be from. And he's like, I've only been driving like six hours. I don't know how the hell I got there. And like later on in the movie, he's like talking to his friend. He's like, I don't even know how I could have done this, even if I was going 80 the whole way. Like, there's no way I drove this far in six hours. Mm. So they're all like, okay. (laughs) And the way that they portray this town is it's like super generic. Like, it's like there's the grocery store and then there's like the bridal shop and there's the paint store named Paint with like cans of paint. So at this point, it's morning and he's walking around and he sees Gordon. So he goes up to Gordon and he's like, hey, just want to say sorry. And Gordon's like, look, I talked to Connie. Connie checked you out. I guess you're okay. I just saw what I saw. John shares with Gordon, like, I have no memory of how the fuck I got here. And Gordon's like, and you think I'm crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Right? So they're having this moment. So basically, at this point, John goes to get his car and the mechanic is like, there's nothing wrong with your car. Hmm. Because he's like, how much do I owe you? And he's like, nothing. I couldn't fix it because there's nothing wrong with your car. Mm. Um, Which in most people would be like, that will be $200 for time. So John is like, okay, something weird. So he drives back out to the spot that his car died and he's sitting there and Connie finds him. So then they kind of like camp out together to see if this like entity shows back up. Because remember, John's a reporter. Mm -hmm. So like... He he's probably like, I smell a story. Right. And they kind of start talking about like all the weird shit that happens. And basically Connie's like, and they give all the weird shit to me to handle. <laughs> he's like, well, let me go look through it. So they start looking through like old files and old reportings of these like sightings and like anything that seemed kind of weird like this. And they come across this like couple of young people, which I'm assuming is around the like your story. Mm-hmm. And they're like making out. <laughs> I love that like she's like, we were just like making out, but like she has her shirt fully open and he has no shirt on. I'm like, you were far more than making out people. <laughs> like you are on bases <laughs> that are not just making out. <laughs> but she does go, we're engaged. We're we're getting engaged. And I was like, oh good. Good for you, you, yeah, you heathens. <laughs> so he, they start going through and interviewing people and talking about what they saw. Like the young couple, there was like these red flashing lights. Like it was almost like red lightning and then like these big flashing lights. And then the dude's eye like fucks up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like permanently like bloodshot just on like one spot, but also down on his skin. Oh. It's a little weird. 
So, and then there's another woman who was like changing and she looks at our window and she sees this thing that's like eight feet tall. And she kind of has like, the reason she knows how tall it is is because there's like a branch and the branch is like nine feet tall and its head was like a foot lower. And it was just like staring at her for a while. Ew. Ew, no. Yeah, it's creepy. John runs into like Gordon again because John and Gordon become kind of like fast friends. Mm-hmm. Like he's telling him about what they saw. And then all of a sudden, like Gordon's ear starts bleeding. So they get him an MRI, but there's nothing wrong with him other than he has like migraines. But he's like, there's something wrong with me. And Gordon's wife, Denise, is like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like she just keeps saying like, they're not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong. And like she wants desperately for nothing Aww. to be wrong with him. And bitch leaves him later. So <gasps> let's not feel sorry for her. Oh, trifling. Yeah. Do not feel sorry for her. Mm. She's a bad one. So then, like, Gordon basically tells, like, what happened, like, this weird interaction (laughs) that he had, like, he had the whole, like, he goes out to this, like, cement factory, right? And he goes out there, which I'm assuming is, like, parallel to your, like, World War II. To the TNT area, yeah. Yeah. Got you. He goes out there and he, like, sees this thing and he's, like... It looked like a human, but it wasn't a human. Mothman. It's Mothman. It was like, he said, like, he felt like something was like circling him. He felt really hot. He couldn't catch his breath. And then, like, something walked out of the plant towards him. It looked like a human. And it said, like, don't be afraid of me. Ew. And then it talked about, like, the equator and, like, 300 will die. And come to find out, there's like, there was this earthquake where like 300 people died in the earthquake Hmm. on the equator and he also says that his name was like ingrid cole mothman is that your real name right (laughs) so then john being the good reporter that he is goes out to the cement factory and his he's standing and looking around He's looking at the hole that this thing came out of. And wouldn't you know, like it flashes back and it's the perfect outline of the orderly that was standing in the doorway. He's Mothman. Right. And so John's like, what the fuck is happening? Because he believes something. His wife, like, obviously drew everything. Right. Mm hmm. And so he's like, what the flying fuck? <gasps> is Mothman a shapeshifter? What is happening? Mm hmm. Oh, wait, I said that wrong. So Ingrid Cole has not said his name yet. He comes at this part. There was no name at the at the plant. Mm. So now Gordon is like, this. the dude is back and he says his name is Ingrid Cole and he's here. And John's like, can I talk to him? And so John is like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but like knock it off type shit. Mm-hmm. And he goes like, well, I know everything kind of like I know what's going to happen. You have to believe me. And John's like, why would I believe you? I'm obviously super paraphrasing here, people. <laughs> Basically, like, came down to, like, ask me something. And John's like, where's my watch? Which most people would say, like, on your arm. And he's like, in your shoe. And then there's a pause. And he goes, that's under your bed. And that's where the watch is. It's in a shoe under the bed. And then there's, like, some other things he does. But, like, one of the other things he does is he's like, he asks him, like, what's the third line on page 39 of this book? But he doesn't tell him the book name. And the creature on the phone, because mind you, he's on the phone, reads it perfectly, the third line. Ooh. Right? It is a horror movie. It is a horror movie. So then, you know, John's like, what the fuck? I want to meet you. And he's like, cool. He kind of like asks what happens to his wife. And he's like, you kind of know you were there. 
which is kind of rude. And then the <laughs> screeching that we heard from like the beginning of the movie happens again. Mm-hmm. So as this is happening, like when he's in the hotel room, Connie's with him. So Connie leaves the hotel and drives however far it takes to get to Gordon's and gets there and is like banging on the door. And like Gordon like opens the door like sleepy eyed. And he's like, was someone here with you? And he's like, nah, I've been asleep since 930. <gasps> and they're like, what the fuck? So John recorded this, and Tara, you'll like this, that he had the recording analyzed. And basically, it's not human. The sound isn't human. It's some sort of like electric pulse. Mm. But it's definitely not from a human. Yeah. So then he kind of like, John starts looking into these things, and he looks up and he finds this man by the name of like Alexander Leake. And he goes to visit him in Chicago. And Alexander Leake is like, get the fuck out. <laughs> and then um, he's like, no, let's talk. And so they go to a library and they talk. And they basically are t- like, John's trying to figure out what this thing wants. And <laughs> Alexander's like, you have to stop trying to like reason what it wants because it's not human. Right. Like you can't put a human reasoning on this. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like the cases and like the fact that there's lack of evidence, but there's cave paintings of it. And so it's like this kind of like weird like conundrum thing like and alexander didn't even want to talk to him at first but it was finally like okay i'll help Mm -hmm. so john goes why do you think that they're like that they're interacting with me and he goes you notice them and they noticed you noticing them Mm. they're acting on it Mm. and he's like because john's like they know everything and he's and i love the illustration they kind of use he's like you see that window washer up on that skyscraper like if there is an accident 10 blocks from here we wouldn't know but that guy would know that doesn't make him all knowing he just has a better view so it's kind of like are the moths working for the mothman they're his minions and so he goes why do they bring me here and he goes alexander says to john they brought you there to die oh and then john goes back (laughs) to point pleasant (laughs) oh my god and he basically, like, gets back and is like, okay, let's talk about this. Where's Gordon? And everyone's like, no one knows where the fuck Gordon is. Well, guess where Gordon is? Gordon is on the bridge. Of course. Just standing there, talking. And it's kind of, like, nonsense. And, you know, John kind of, like, it's like, come with me. And he's like, no. And he's like, come with me. And then, I'll be honest, I kind of tuned out for a second because this was very boring. This little, like, chat between the two of them. But it's basically, like, John or, like, Gordon was waiting for the thing to come get him. Mm. John finds Connie and they talk and they also find out that like around this time Gordon's wife is like bye I love you bitch right (laughs) and Connie kind of says like she's the one who tells John that like Gordon's missing and she also tells him that 15 more people have seen the Mothman oh fuck that night John has a dream about Mary talking about like ruining things and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he wakes up and the phone rings and it's like a wake-up call that he's quote-unquote scheduled but he's like i never scheduled that wake-up call it was mothman it was mothman so he gets up and he goes to like the mirror and he's like stare he's like looking into the mirror and then all of a sudden like out of nowhere he just like smashes his face into the mirror Ew, i hate that i hate it's that not- <laughs> you hate when that happens just like whack no, I hate that movie. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> it's like not it doesn't really happen like he imagines it yeah and so then like gordon calls john and john's like i don't understand what's going on i don't know like what are you talking about and he's just like ah and then it feels like maybe like an hour or two has gone by and then he goes and he like goes out to gordon's house and he can't find it but everything looks fucked up like there's like boards into buildings the house is a mess like shit's just gone awry over here and he like walks out into the woods by gordon's house and gordon is dead leaning against a tree with his eyes open and they do the very cliche thing where he like closes his eyes for him Mm -hmm. when connie gets there and the corner gets there they're like he's been dead like eight nine hours and john's like what do you mean i talked to him and she's like when and basically John talked to Gordon, or Gordon died prior to that phone call. More Mothman trickery. Mm-hmm. At this point, like he's like, I don't know what to do. So he basically goes back and talks to Alexander Leake again, and he's like, tell me your story with this. And basically, it was that he encountered Mothman, and Mothman basically told him that this building was going to blow up. And he was like making all this noise. He's like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, like, he told me, like, you know, and I tried to stop it, but I couldn't. And then, like, once it happened, like, I almost got arrested and it almost was, like, my fault type thing. Because there's always, like, Mothman and then some sort of catastrophe that happens around it. And then John's, like, walking and the plant owner comes over and said, hey, sorry I haven't called you back yet. I'd never called you. And he had someone, like analyze it right like and it's the guy that analyzed it first time was like no that's dude that's your voice so john thinks he's like going crazy now that he's back in town he like goes to where connie's working or is at and she's like hey this like lady came and was looking for you and he's like oh what did she look like who is she and she's like yeah real pretty red hair and then john's like the fuck and if you don't know who deborah messing is like she's got beautiful red hair so it's like dead giveaway he's like what did she look like and she like kind of described her and then John like takes the picture out and is like, is this her? And she's like, your hair is a little different, but you do see like Deborah messing with like a little bit darker hair, like walking around. John's like, what did she say to Connie? And Connie's like, she wanted to say she was sorry for ruining everything. Oh, and I forgot. So at some point, like way back when before the whole Gordon call with the like watch in the shoe, he was talking to Connie and Connie basically was like talk. He was talking about dreams, like feeling so real. And Connie tells him the story about a dream she's had, which is that she's like in water sinking, right? Like somehow she like lands in this water and she's sinking. And there's all these like Christmas presents or presents floating around. And she just keeps sinking to the bottom. And she's like in the dream. She's like, I know I'm dying. Like I'm going to die. And then like at the end of the dream, something tells her like, wake up number 37. Wake up number 37. And she's like, I don't know what this means. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck it means. Hmm. So then like, you know, John's going crazy. He's had the conversation with Alexander Leake. They're getting the story all lined up that he's like, okay, something's going wrong. He tries, the governor is supposed to come to this plant and he's like, oh my God, the plant's going to blow up. And like the governor's going to be there. And they were like, John's boss is like, you need to just chill the fuck out. Okay. Okay. John goes back to like Point Pleasant, goes back to his hotel room, tears everything down, throws it all away, and basically is like fucking deuces. I'm going back to DC. And everyone's like, bye. 
So he's back in D.C. and he's like lamenting like over his dead wife and like all these things. And, you know, he's just like, nobody will fucking believe me. And like if the plant blows up and blah, blah, blah. So also during this time, Mothman tells him that Mary will call him on like the anniversary of like the event happening. He's in D.C. and Connie's like, dude, come back to Point Pleasant. Like we can like hang out. It's Christmas. You shouldn't be alone. And John's like, no. And then he tells her that about the whole Mary calling. And she's like, this is more of a reason you should come here because you shouldn't be like experiencing this. And he hangs up with her and basically the phone rings and it's like this long drawn out ring. And it's like one of those like old cordless phones Mm -hmm. that have that like really high pitched shrill ring. And so he like rips it out of the wall and he's like sitting there and he's like, for some reason, Richard Gere is just like heavy, like panting. Like I've just, this is the hardest thing I've ever done is pull the phone out of the jack. (laughs) Like, and I'm pretty sure that's like not the hardest thing anyone's ever done. Like, it's pretty sure you just get a good tug and the thing will just pop out. It's just a little plastic connector. And he's just, like, so upset. And then, like, the phone, like, is not plugged in, but then it fucking starts ringing again. So then he leaves and starts going back and he, like, is headed back to um, Point Pleasant because he's like, fuck, something's going wrong. And then he gets there, but there's all this traffic going into the town and out of the town. They're all on the bridge. And he's like, oh, my God, it's the fucking bridge. And he's like running, like trying to get people off. And then all of a sudden he's like, so he's talking to the guy who's like the young dude who was like making out like, you know, was more than making out, but like making out. And he gets to the car and he's like banging. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, get out. And right at this time, there's this like cable from the very top of the bridge that just fucking like drops and shoots right through this guy into that side of the head that had that boo-boo. Hmm. So he didn't live, I'm assuming, because I don't know many people who get hit in the face with like a bridge cord and live. Yeah, I'm a vote no. And then it was sad because then it like panned like people in the town and it was like the fiance ran out in her wedding dress. So then like the bridge is basically collapsing. Like the this middle section of the bridge is collapsing. And like, you know, like John is trying to get as many people off the bridge as possible. And like Connie's on the bridge and she's trying to get people out. And she's also trying to like radio in for help. But then she gets stuck in her car because like everything starts sliding. And basically she's in the section that's going into the water. She basically somehow like hits her head and is knocked out. But she's in her car still. And John is like watching the car like slide into the water. And then he's like standing there at the edge of the bridge that's like about to fall down. And he's just like, what do I do? And he jumps in to save Connie. I will say there are like more cars that had gone in before hers, but had not reached the bottom. Mm -hmm. And also conveniently, there was an air pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Though their back window was out. I don't get it. So there's like an air pocket in the car. So he like gets down there and like pulls her out of the water essentially. And then they're sitting in like the ambulance, you know, they got the blankets around them, all that stuff. And the firefighter comes over and he's like, glad you guys are okay, you know? And they're like, us too. And then he goes, how many? And he goes, 36 people. And like pats John on the shoulder. And he's like, okay. And they're like, 36. And then all of a sudden Connie's face is like, I was 37. Like, cause she wasn't, I don't think she was supposed to survive. Like, so then it's like, was John there to die or was John there to save Connie? And then it like pulls out and and it's like, they don't really know whatever happened to the sil- like to Silver Bridge or whatever it's called, which Tara told us earlier. Yeah, they do. Movie trying to convince us otherwise. And then it was the end. And 
I had felt like I wasn't going to get those two hours back again. Oh, God. I'm so I'm sorry. That journey was not what you expected. <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought, because like having no knowledge of Mothman before this, like I was like, this could go a different direction. Oh, totally. Yeah. This could go like Venture Brothers, like the Monarch. Like that's what I was thinking. I was like, this mm-hmm. is, is going to be that. Is this going to be like a bad sci-fi movie but it was actually i will say for 2002 it was pretty okay like a background noise movie yes or cheesy theme night there you go there you go i mean like nothing really in the movie was like uh except for when like he smashed his head into the mirror Mm -hmm. it was like the only thing i was like oh god Mm -hmm. i know i hate scenes like that they just make me cringe (laughs) i was like what the fuck why it's just like this move like he's like staring into the mirror and it's like one of those like medicine cabinet mirrors so he's like staring at it and he goes from like one side and he like slowly moves over so like this side like the like let's say the left side of his face looks friendly and then like the right side of his face doesn't look so friendly but like as his face is sliding it's like becoming more menacing and i was like okay what the fuck awesome good editing (laughs) um And then once it was like all in the menacing side, he was just like, whack. And I was like, holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, it was okay. I like Richard Gere. Mm-hmm. So what do you think Mothman is? If Mothman was like a real thing, do you think he would be like an alien? Do you think he's a mutant? What do you think? I would say more alien because like the way Mothman kind of like moves around, like there was like the Ecuador thing and like. You know, I think that it seems more alien. Like, mutant would have to have a whole different storyline. Radioactive moth eats sweater of man. Yeah, I feel like we'd have more of a backstory. I agree with the alien thing and then, like, all the interference with, like, electronics or, you know, appliances and cars and Mm -hmm. dispatch radios and things like that. That always, like, screams alien stuff to me. Uh Uh-huh. The one thing that... I thought the whole time was if I just wore mothballs, would it like <laughs> it leave you alone? Go away. <laughs> like is that its kryptonite? Is mothballs? Like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure that out. If we have any Mothman experts, let us know. Cause like I'm thinking like Mothman would be like a really great like comic book character, but like would the bad guy be like mothballs? He'd be like, No, I can't eat the hole into your sweater. Like, one would be, like, a cedar chest. If if anyone is like, why is she talking about moth balls and cedar chests? That's how you prevent moths from eating your, like, nice sweaters. Also, bears don't like moth balls. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. I used to go to this, like, church camp when I was young, and they it was in the mountains, and they frequently had bears that would walk through the camp. Um, Because, like... Tons of kids eating candy, dropping that shit. If I was a bear, I'd be like, oh, my God, yes. So, like, one of the <laughs> things that they were like, don't have any snacks in your cabin. Mm-hmm. But, like, my dad read on, like, read somewhere or it was, like, something he knew that, like, if you hung mothballs out. And our cabin never had a bear. But the <laughs> fun side story, we thought there was a bear at our door. And, like, this was, like, a church camp. So, like, our counselor was like, everyone get down and pray. We're going to sit on the floor and pray. You know, because if the bear broke in, we would all be right there <laughs> on the floor. Because it's, like, a church camp. So it's, like, yeah. like six to eight bunks with, like, you know, just, like, a little cement slab on the floor. Right. And then, like, nobody thought to, like, turn the light on. Nobody thought to, like, make 
make any noise other than like, please, Jesus, please don't let the bear eat us. Like, that's basically what was happening. Except you're supposed to be loud and it'll scare it. <laughs> right. But that's not that's not what we were thinking. Because mind you, we were like 11. Right. And our camp counselor was like 16. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Four of the people in that cabin were like her like niece or were like her cousins. So it was kind of like... Mm-hmm. please don't <laughs> let us die amen <laughs> and then finally like i was like i just have to see like if i can see it under the door and like we turned and it was a mouse oh my god that's ridiculous i'm <laughs> trying to get outside <laughs> and i was like okay we officially are stupid <laughs> mothballs work on bears but not mice and possibly mothman we don't know we don't know let us know what you think yes Well, that wraps it up for us this week. We hope you enjoyed Tara's wonderful telling of the legend of Mothman and my slaughtering a movie. If you (laughs) want me to slaughter more movies, sign up for Patreon. Be a patron and I will do this (laughs) bi-monthly. And we will catch you on Thursday for Stabby. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.